three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglul, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, the Bears lost to Detroit. We'll break it all down in just a second. Plus a brand new interview today with Dan McNeil, the host of Danny Mac's Friday Tailgate on WJOB and the Danny Mac Podcast, talking to them extensively about some Bears football, his new podcast, his career, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zagluel. Want to watch more of this show, head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. That was pathetic for the Bears on Sunday. I'm not happy. And there's really no way to justify what happened. Now, you could say Justin Fields improved, which he did. You could argue that the Bears are tanking, so this is good. In my vocabulary, this is not good. Tanking against a good team like Minnesota, Green Bay, the Jets, the Giants. That'd be okay. But you can't be losing, or I should say blowing, a 14-point lead to the Detroit freaking Lions. Now, there is no tanking talk here. There's no, well, it's okay. No, this is not okay. When you are brought in, as Matt Eberflus was, Brian Poles was, to build a culture of winning, of execution, of being a better team than the last regime, this won't cut it. I direct your attention to last year, Thanksgiving, Matt Nagy, the report came out that he was going to be fired. On Thanksgiving, the report came out, and the Bears, oh yeah, still won with Andy Dalton starting. They beat the Lions by field goal. Now, I know both teams are different a little bit this year, but still, the fact is, the Bears always beat Detroit. Always. No matter who the quarterback is, no matter what the situation is in Chicago, the Bears win. And yesterday, they lost. They blew a 14-point lead. They were undisciplined, penalty-wise. They let Jared Goff have a big game. These are things that cannot be justified or defended. So as much as you want to play revisionist history and say, well, this is about tanking. No, it's not about tanking. The Bears have to win the games they're supposed to win. And let's put tanking off to the side for a minute. I'm not in the business of losing. I don't care about draft picks and draft positioning. I care about beating the teams you're supposed to beat, even when you're trying to rebuild. The Cubs still won 72 games this year. They beat teams they weren't supposed to beat. 
and teams that were supposed to be. They did both. They were tanking, they were trying to lose, and they still played up to their competition. They were still a scrappy team with fight. This is inexcusable from the Bears. You were up by 14 points. You were dominating the entire game. You did dominate the entire game according to a lot of different metrics. Bears had more total yards. Bears had more rushing yards. Bears had more yards per play. Bears had a better third down efficiency. Bears had less punts. The Bears dominated this game. How did they lose? Why is it okay to some to say the Bears did lose and this is okay for tanking? I want to make myself clear here. Tanking, quote-unquote, does not justify a loss of this proportion. 14-point lead, you blow it. You're facing Detroit, you blow it. Okay, this is not tanking. Matt Eberflus and Brian Poles were brought in to build a culture of winning and execution. This is not winning, and they didn't execute. They blew the game. You can't build a culture losing games like this. I don't care if you're even rebuilding. You still have to build a culture. The Bears are not building a culture with a loss like this. That's the problem with this game. You want to be tanking, that's fine. Then tank against teams that you're supposed to lose to. But in a game in which you were winning by 14, that's not okay. There's no reason to justify that sort of performance. The Bears were too undisciplined defensively. They had way too many penalties. That really threw the game out of focus. Too many guys getting in trouble. And they let the Lions just continue to linger and linger and linger until eventually they came back and won. Jared Goff, 19 of 26, 236 yards and a touchdown. Amon Ross St. Brown was open all game long. He had 10 catches. These are the reasons why the Bears lost. And offensively for them, they had a good game. Justin Fields did good. Besides the pick six, which played a big role in the loss. Kokomet stood out. Big game for him, but See, these things are overshadowed to me by the end result. Just not happy with how this ended. And what what really actually scares me is the amount of Bears fans who are saying, well, it's okay for tanking, or it's okay for a different reason. I know this team isn't great. I know there's lots of work to do. I know they won't be a Super Bowl contender this season. But you cannot accept mediocrity. You cannot accept and be okay with a 14-point blown lead against Detroit just because Justin Fields did well or just because this player did well or that guy did well or it's tanking. We have to hold this team accountable. And what happened, especially in that fourth quarter, was not good. The Bears barely scored in the fourth quarter. They did nothing. The Lions scored 21 points on the Bears on the fourth quarter. The Bears scored six. They lost. I don't think that's something we should be celebrating. I was very disappointed in how it ended. The Bears always beat Detroit. Don't you see this? Come on, you got to feel this in your heart, right? The Bears always beat Detroit. We can always say those two games per year, the Bears face them, those are wins, but now we can't say that. That's a big question mark. Now we can't say the Bears swept Detroit again. This is with the rookie head coach, rookie GM and a team that's trying to get back on their feet next year. you got to build a culture of winning. you got to build a culture of execution. This did not show either of those two things. This was a black spot, a dark spot for the Bears this year. A 14-point blown lead. 
We have to remember that 14 points the Bears were up. They were dominating. They were cruising. This was supposed to be a Bears win. They blew it. That's where the problem is. Ambrose Santos missing an extra point. We got other players just not contributing. We got way too many penalties. What's going on with this team? Matt Eberflus was brought in to abide by the hits principle. One of those includes discipline. He's all about discipline and accountability. Well, there was none of that yesterday. Tons of penalties. More and more and more. Gave the Lions over 100 yards in penalty yards alone. Got a pick six from Justin Fields, which was, in my opinion, one of the worst throws he's ever made this season. And he had a great game, but that was really bad. This was just an unacceptable loss. Don't accept this. Don't say it's okay. Don't justify it in any which way. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. It was a loss. It was bad. Not good. For those of you excited about a draft pick and excited about next year, that's great. But just remember, you're trying to build a culture. Culture of winning, culture of excellence, a different culture than last year's team. This is oddly reminiscent of last year's team. I'm just saying, this is not the Bears that I know, the Bears that we should know by now. This is not something that we'd be accepting. Remember the beginning of the year, we were all over Eberflus and Poles and Sand that this was wrong. They got to get better. They got to be more strong in their execution. They got to win games. What happened to that fire and that passion? I know we're blinded by Justin Fields, and he did good, but we got to remember that this is going to be a team sport and that Justin Fields doing well doesn't mean anything at some point if he doesn't win. Next year, if Justin Fields does exactly what he does now, but the Bears go 6-11, and 11, how happy are you going to be? Exactly. The Bears have to win, and they have to back up their QB a bit, and their QB has to be very good. Fields did good despite... That pick checks. That's the only critique I have of him. Other than that, great game for him. The Bears' run game was there. Khalil Herbert had a good game again. David Montgomery contributed a bit. Cole Komet had a career game, which was nice to see. Hopefully that continues. There were positives. Jack Sanborn defensively did great. I mean, I was shocked by his output. Nine tackles, two sacks. There were bright spots. There were good things we could talk about, but... When you blow a 14-point lead against Detroit, whether you're rebuilding or not, whether you're tanking or not, that is going to be the storyline, people. And that's what happened. You have to ask yourself, what do you value more? Do you value the Bears tanking and getting the third overall pick, or do you value a culture, a team that's willing to develop and get better, a team that could be good by 2023, but they need direction? This loss doesn't help out the team culture-wise. It may help them out in regards to draft positioning, but culture-wise, it doesn't. Ego-wise, it doesn't. Confidence-wise, it doesn't. Execution-wise, it doesn't. That's my problem. That's why I'm pissed. That's why they should have won this game, and they were winning on top of it. Like the Commanders game, the Bears were expected and should have won. That's why it's sad. That's why it's not good. That's why I'm pissed. And I warned you about this, so if you're stunned or surprised, I mean, go back and watch my preview video or the live stream. The Bears had to win this game. We're talking about a team that's trying to rebuild, trying to establish who they are for next year, and this hurts them. (laughs) This makes them look horrible. Justin Fields developing is key. I know. 
Justin Fields had another good game. I get it. I loved that 67-yard touchdown run. That was amazing. You saw my call of it. It was awesome. I was happy. It was great to see. Encouraging and exciting and thrilling. But the Bears lost this game. You have to evaluate what's more important to you, culture or tanking. To me, it's culture. I'm a culture guy. They brought in Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles to build a winning culture for this team, something different than Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Blown a 14-point lead to Detroit, losing like they did, even though they're rebuilding or tanking, that's not a good thing for culture. We're trying to build a winning culture, a culture of execution, a culture of discipline, and the penalties were off the charts. The Bears did everything that was anti-Matt Eberflus, anti-Brian Poles yesterday. So we could sit here and talk about how great Justin Fields played. We could talk about that. They're tanking for draft position. That's nice. But I'd rather look at the culture and what happened in the game. They blew a 14-point lead. Unacceptable. Wrong. And the way they played went against everything Matt Eberflus Brian Pauls have preached. That's the part that's scary, and that's the part that ticks me off. See, there's a hierarchy of priorities here. Number one, of course, is Justin Fields to develop. And he certainly did. But I would say that 1A, maybe one just about that is, you got to win the games you're supposed to win. Even if you want to tank, per se. You still got to win the games you're supposed to win. We know this Bears team isn't going to be great. We knew that from the beginning, but you can't be losing like this against Detroit. I'm not okay with this loss. I'm not happy about it. You can look for positives within it, but this is not something we should be celebrating or touting. It's wrong. It's not good. This is not pretty at all. The Bears really got to recover from this because it could affect their culture. It could affect their team. I'm just not happy with how this played out. You had a 14-point lead. You were facing off against one of the worst teams always in football. This is unacceptable. This performance was unacceptable. Plain and simple. So if you're on the tanking train and you're happy about a loss like this, that's great. I will never be happy about this. I'm never going to defend that. Even if the Bears are tanking or trying to tank, I won't defend it. You brought in people to build a culture. You brought in winners to win, right? The goal was to develop this team into a winning football franchise. This, no matter what, no matter what the team situation is, this is not going to help this team win games, learn how to win, learn how to execute for next year. No, it's not. Just keep that in mind as this season moves forward. The Bears got Atlanta this week, and I'll tell you what, I'm not expecting a win. And that's sad. That is sad. The Bears should win that game. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Atlanta sucks. Marcus Mariota's the freaking starting quarterback, and yet I'm picking the Bears to lose. You know why? Because they lost to the freaking Lions. See, there are unintended or bad consequences that come with tanking or being happy about a loss, including that. Oh, but the Bears lost. They're going to have the fifth draft pick now. I don't care. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Come on. How old are we? Really? 
You lost to the Lions. You blow a 14-point lead. If anybody's trying to turn this into a positive story, you're crazy. And if anybody does, then they're trying to feed you Kool-Aid that you don't need. The truth is, the Bears lost after giving up a 14-point lead. They lost to Detroit. They always beat the Lions historically. This is bad. This is not good. They got to really rethink and improve come next week. I hope they do. Because if not, maybe they'll tank. Maybe they'll get a good draft pick. But what are the unintended consequences? Well, the fact is this Bears team won't learn how to win. So come next year when they lose more games, when they lose games they should win, everyone's going to be complaining. And I'll point everybody back to this game or games like this, like the Commanders game. If you train a team to accept mediocrity or accept losing even as a part of tanking, when they need to win, they're going to have trouble winning. When you set the bar way too low, you're going to get lower expectations even on the high end when you're trying to see them win. The bar has to be set accordingly. And it feels like people are moving the bar each and every week based on Justin Fields' performance. And while you could do that, you still can't tell me this was okay. You can't tell me blowing a 14-point lead against Detroit is okay. Stop moving the bar to your liking. Stop moving it based on what the media says. Move it based on your realistic expectations for this team. The fact is the Bears should have won. The fact that they didn't win hurts their culture. Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles were brought in to win. They lost to a division rival on a 14-point lead. How does that sound? Let's write that on the front page of the newspaper today. Instead of, oh, well, they developed her. They're tanking, so it's okay. No! None of this is okay. None of this is acceptable or justifiable. This was bad. This was wrong. And the Bears better learn from it come next week. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Dan McNeil comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for Johnson Glowland, we're back in Friday for today's special guest. He's the host of Danny Mac's Friday Tailgate on WJLB, host of the Danny Mac Podcast and a sports radio legend. Please welcome Dan McNeil to the program. Dan, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, I'm outstanding. Thank you. And it's good to be with you. Uh, legend usually applies to those who no longer have work. So <laughs> I, I, I guess I fit because I'm kind of part-time working. <laughs> great to have you on here with me. And, you know, again, I, we talked about this last time. A legend's a good thing. Dan, you're you're you are a legend in Chicago sports radio. So I, I would take that as a compliment more than a uh, part-time worker. Okay, <laughs> consider it taken that way. Then, <laughs> what do you make of the Bears Lions game? First off, we'll start there. I thought they really let one get away yesterday. It's uh, it's unfortunate they couldn't do what they do best when they needed to the most, and that is run the football. They have a 24 to 10 lead as the fourth quarter is getting started, and they let it get away from them. You know, they they get the the redemption touchdown from Fields right after the pick six by Jeff Okuda. He breaks off that long touchdown run. And then Cairo Santo, Santos misses the point after. It was almost surreal, and that was a lousy football team they lost to. 
at Soldier Field. That's not a good Detroit football team. It's tough to see them not close, and it's tough to see, to me, what's most difficult pill to swallow is that guys who are going to be a part of this team when they get good again could not be relied upon yesterday. And I'm talking specifically about Jalen Johnson, the corner. He sure doesn't look healthy. Two hands-to-the-face penalties in the fourth period. One of them questionable, but you, you can't do it. You can't put yourself in that position. And there are a few other guys who I thought were were more you know worthy of being relied on. That was a tough go yesterday. You know, and there are a lot of people trying to play revisionist history, saying, well, it's okay, the Bears are tanking, or they're going to be helping out. Justin Fields did well. I think my tank is the following, which is even though they're trying to tank, some of these guys are going to be with this team next year. You have to try and instill a culture of winning. And yesterday they blew the game after leading by 14 points. I think that's unacceptable. Yeah, it, it is. And they they let a team that is not very good play very comfortable offensively. They didn't knock down Jared Goff. His uniform was was quite clean. I, I think uh, <laughs> the great Jack Sanborn had a couple of sacks yesterday, but that's just it. And that's that's two straight weeks now without without forcing a turnover. You don't win in the NFL if you don't take the ball away. They haven't had a turnover since Eddie Jackson picked uh, Dak Prescott in their uh, in their most farthest away celebrated loss. See, everybody celebrates these losses, and I'm glad that you're not celebrating this one to Detroit because it's not one that's worthy of a celebration. How do you value my Justin Fields' performance overall? I thought he played well. I think each week he um, he is more decisive as a runner. He's he's using that as a weapon as effectively as anybody in the league is today, and that includes Lamar Jackson. It's only a couple of weeks of it, but it's been very very good, and it's it's fun to watch, and it's it's good to see the Bears get in short yardage. They did very well on third down Sunday against the Lions because they were in third and manageable most of the day. I thought Fields played exceptionally well. The pick six was dreadful, but you're you're going to have those moments. I just uh, I just wish he would have had a little bit more help along the way. And I wonder where the hell Chase Claypool was Sunday. That uh, that was curious to me. He only uh, he only played 19 snaps. Why do you think that is? I mean, there have been thoughts that he hasn't learned the offense enough, or that Matt Eberflus is saving him. But you'd think he'd play a little bit more now after two weeks on the team. Certainly a guy who's that large of a target and can run like he would, whether he's he's familiar with the playbook or not, he can run a nine route and take a couple of members of the secondary with him if he so desires. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have good practice habits. There's got to be more to this story, and I'm hoping throughout the course of this week, um, as reporters navigate their way through this, through this first 10 games of the season, they get some answers out of the Bears coaching staff as to why Claypool wasn't more a part of of the attack yesterday. Because I think we've all seen enough of Dante Pettis and uh, Byron <laughs> Pringle can uh, can get back in his 700-horsepower car and do donuts in a school parking lot anytime he wants to because he hasn't done anything for this team either. How much help does Justin Fields need at least for next year? What should the Bears be targeting for him? They need a wide receiver. They, they without question, need a number one wide receiver. I don't know if Claypool is going to fit that bill. 
And I certainly don't have that type of regard for Darnell Mooney. He would be nice to have as your third receiver. So they've got to, they've got to get a wide receiver and they're going to have to get more help on the offensive line, which I think has played fairly well this year. Um, I was concerned about that as a lot of people were going into this season. I didn't think the bears had much up there, but uh, the right tackle bore him when he's been healthy. He's done a nice job. And for being a rookie, Braxton Jones has just has done just fine. He's had some bad days, but you're going to as a left tackle rookie or not. So that's, that's the first priority wide receiver. Number two, find me another offensive lineman. What do you think about fields over these past four weeks in general? Are you sold on his ability to be a franchise guy now for the bears? I'm not. I I don't think he has crossed that threshold as a passer. I think what he does makes him so unique. Defenses have to really, really dial in on, on stopping him or at least trying to keep him from going crazy, like rushing for 150-plus yards, which he's done two weeks consecutively now. But no, I, I've not seen him take those steps consistently enough. They've got to let him throw more than 20 times a game. It's tough to develop into that elite class if you're not getting a chance to post elite numbers. And I completely disagreed with what Mark Sanchez said on the broadcast yesterday when the Bears were very conservative on their first series. And he said, sometimes you just got to keep your quarterback. You got to protect him from yourself and they called an inside run on third and 15 from the 19 throw the ball I mean it's your first series of the game you're at home your offense has confidence you're not going to protect keep your quarterback from hurting himself what kind of philosophy is that playing scared I didn't agree with that at all and I hope the Bears take the training wheels off him very soon how have you felt about field run first mentality obviously it helps out offensively the Bears are putting up numbers but is this going to be sustainable for him no probably is not and that's another thing that's alarming and people don't like to hear this but it's the reality of it based on history quarterbacks who run first tend to get hurt Russell Wilson is nowhere near the player he used to be when he was a young spry elusive quarterback and if you look at the history of quarterbacks who were, were successful, primarily predicated on what they did with their legs, I'm talking about the guys like Michael Vick or Dante Culpepper of the Vikings in the 90s. These are guys whose careers were much more impressive when they were younger players. So I don't know how long the window is for a guy like Justin Fields. Sooner or later, um, that nasty sport uh, will catch up with your body. And he is a big, strong guy, but he's capable of being hurt just like any of the rest of them. So I don't think it's something you can win with for eight or 10 years. No. How good about passers fields? Honest opinion. What kind of a passer? How good of a passer do you think he is? He's made marked progress. And I what I like about Justin too is he's he's done as much as any Bears quarterback I've seen. He's thrown the ball in spots where his guy is the only guy who can get it. 
And sometimes that means the guy's got to make a remarkable catch, and he doesn't always get those. But Mooney has had a few signature catches uh, this season. He had one last week. He had one against the Vikings early in the season. Some tremendous catches where your body is twisted and contorted and you can just barely get your get your fingers on the hoochie. And he's he's done a nice job of throwing those type of balls. His production should be better than what it is. And if you want to go back to, to last week's loss to the Dolphins, the ball he threw to Equinemius St. Brown could not have been more perfect, and that should have given the Bears at least a chance to tie the game and take the Dolphins into overtime, but Equinemius St. Brown dropped the ball. Let me ask you this. If the Bears actually give Fields good wide receiving, what do you think his ceiling would be? I think he could be I, – I think he could get to that top tier, um, although – so few do. I would be reluctant to bet on it. I think there's a good chance that he could be, you know, his his talents, his talents could be one of the most unique ever to play the position because as explosive as he is as a runner, I mean, he exceeds what what Jackson in some ways has been able to do. Lamar Jackson is a video game in his own right. But in terms of just straightforward blazing speed, I think Fields is a different animal. And you're not going to see him likely be one of those guys who's going to be a 300-yard passer very often. And Jackson has now entered that territory. He's had several games this year already where he has eclipsed 300 yards or thrown for three touchdowns, which Fields did last week against the Dolphins. I, I think he has a chance to enter that territory, but a completely different animal. He's never going to post the type of numbers. I don't think that your more elite quarterbacks do as a passer, but the combination of his explosive running talents and accuracy and deep ball make him a very special player potentially. Dan McNeil here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, what's your impression of the Bears' new regime at this point? I like most of what I've seen so far. I, it's it's discouraging, I think, they're not taking the ball away. That was the biggest uh, sales point Matt Eberflus had coming into this season with Indianapolis last year. The Colts led the NFL in takeaways, and that's what he preaches. Gang tackling. Everybody get to the football. Well, they've only done that once in the last three games. And Jalen Johnson still has only one career interception. And this is a guy who spent time <laughs> chirping in the offseason about being among the best at his position. And he's right in the stats don't always, you know, bear that out for cornerbacks because if you're really good, they avoid you. But come on, you're two and a half years into this thing and you've got one pick. I, I like a lot of what I've seen from the coaches. I think Getze in particular, Luke Getze, the OC, has made some some remarkable improvement. I thought they used their little mini buy after the Commanders Thursday night game very, very well and uh, and showed up strong against the Patriots on that Monday night game a few weeks ago. So I'm giving them high marks, but it's very, very early, and I will not grade Ryan Poles' first draft until they've been in the league for a couple of years. I was just going to ask you about Ryan Poles. How do you think he's done in general, maybe not draft-wise, but just in general building this team and trying to navigate a rebuild? 
I love that he is accruing draft capital. You don't always hit on draft picks, which is why I don't mind having a ton of them on, on draft week because there are going to be some mistakes. Some of the free agent moves he did in the offseason are very curious to me. They've got nothing out of Riley Reef, and you could have seen that coming. Cincinnati didn't want him back, and they were they were among the worst pass-protecting teams in the league last year. The defensive lineman he tried to ta- – another Bengal last year couldn't pass his physical. So, and, and, you know, and Equinemius St. Brown – Byron Pringle, Nikhil Harry is another one. These are just (laughs) guys. These are not guys who are going to make a difference. But I I do like the fact that they have shown the door to some people who weren't uh, seemingly um, participating at a very high level. Amir Smith-Marset, for example, couple of weeks after making mistakes, the former Vikings cast off was kicked to the curb by the bears. And I think it was smart to dump Roquan Smith. If you're convinced. And I think polls was that that situation last summer was so acrimonious. They weren't going to get him a second contract. He wanted to leave. You may as well dump him and try to get draft picks. And that's what they did. So I applaud it. What did you think of that whole Roquan Smith situation? Not having an agent, having all these rumors come out. He was very vocal and even held out a little bit. Now the Bears traded him. I think Roquan made a terrible mistake not hiring representation during the uh, during the offseason. I don't know why he chose to do that, and that's how acrimony begins is when players have to sit across from the general manager themselves and listen to why they don't deserve this or that. But it's all very true. If you want to be a $20 million a year linebacker, damn, you got to take the football away. And Shaquille Leonard, the artist formerly known as Darius Leonard, coming into this season had 17 forced fumbles in his career. Same number of years as Roquan Smith. Smith had one. Uh, Leonard had more interceptions, um, decidedly more interceptions. He makes more explosive plays. That's what you have to do to be a $20 million a year linebacker. And Smith may very well may get it from somebody this year, but uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my team if I were in Ryan Poles' position. I don't think he's that explosive of a player. He's a tackling machine, but you don't pay guys like that $20 million. So without Smith, the Bears' salary cap is supposed to be over $140 million this offseason. How do you think they allocate that money? They better get some better players offensively first. Uh, they also have a terrible deficiency at pass rusher. They have got to draft somebody who can get after the quarterback and or get them through free agency. And I've not looked across the league yet at the list of of upcoming free agents. Uh, I'm very much aware that it is a good quarterback draft, which probably doesn't appeal to the Bears this upcoming season. But, you know, who knows? Um, they have got to get some people who can get after the quarterback. They, they only had a couple of sacks yesterday. They have spent several weeks without knocking the quarterback down, and uh, you, you can't win that way. You, you've got to get pressure on the quarterback, and you have to protect your own quarterback. And they've done a little bit better job of that of late. How do you plan on evaluating the rest of this season for the Bears right now? It 
three and seven near the bottom of the division after that Lions loss. But how do you see them moving forward here? I think what would encourage me would be win takeaway battles. And I I'm not in love with the scoreboard necessarily in a rebuild year. Now that said, the loss to the Lions unacceptable you got to start taking the ball away and you have got to stop making so many mental mistakes. The bears had a ton of penalties Sunday against Detroit. I think four of their, four of their nine penalties were in the fourth quarter might've even been five. And you just, you can't do that. You've got to play with more composure. So I want to see these guys, especially those who are going to be core players, your Jalen Johnson's, of the world, your, your, your rookie tackle Braxton Jones. I want to see him make fewer mistakes and get called for fewer penalties. So less penalties, more takeaways. That's what I'm looking for, for the second half of the season. And if they do those things as well as they're running the football, they should win a few games or at least be in every game. What a come with Dan McNeil in just a moment. Stay tuned. Vincent sports talk, Chicago. And McNeil still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the podcast. How's it been going? Outstanding. I uh, I have no trouble mustering up a few words every now and again when it comes to the greatest game ever invented. I love doing football, and I love that Bet Rivers gives me the freedom to do that twice a week. My show usually drops on Monday mornings uh, right around 10 or 11 o'clock, and then the same thing. On Thursdays, uh, I, I just do 30 to 45 minutes, just flapping gums by myself, kind of a stream of consciousness thing. And uh, I do my terrestrial show on Fridays, the tailgate on WJOB in Hammond with Oak Park Vandy. I'm still doing that each and every week. So I'm getting enough. I'm getting enough snaps in, John, if you will. <laughs> what makes the podcast more attractive or better or worse compared to your time in radio for so many years? The great thing about it is it's it's uninterrupted by commercials and it's uninterrupted by a co-host who wants to white knuckle grip. (laughs) And I've had great partners, but every now and again, especially when the conversation is football, it's like, I I think I can handle this one all, all by my lonesome. And there's no clock on it. It's it's as long as I want it to be on whatever topic I typically do the bears for at least half of my 40 ish minutes and then blitz around the league for, uh, for the biggest stories of, of any given week on a Monday, it'll be yesterday's games on a Thursday. It'll be looking ahead to the games that I think will be the most interesting. And we certainly have had week after week of interesting football. And yesterday's just another case in point. Who thinks the Vikings win a second straight road game against the Bills, who should have been ready for revenge after losing one to the Jets at home the previous week? How did you react to that last sequence? I mean, Josh Allen bumbling the football in the end zone. I certainly didn't expect that. It was bizarre. And, man, whatever uh, whatever it would take to get Justin Jefferson off of the Vikings roster, there's something Ryan Pulse might want to look into. <laughs> those, those three catches he made, I, I think in succession, three consecutive catches, completions from Allen, 
that that went or from uh, cousins that went to Jefferson just out of his mind good just fully extended one hand on the ball it, it's hard to it's, it's crazy to think he made three catches like that in the same game in succession but uh that was a great game yesterday I still don't buy the Vikings I, I'm not sure why I don't know what much more they need to do to prove to me they're legit. They just beat the team most people think is the favorite to win the AFC, which has better teams in it, at least at the top end, than does the NFC. But uh, I'm still not in on the Vikings. I feel the same way. I mean, I think we have to see Kirk Cousins actually win a freaking playoff game before we can talk about the Vikings being a Super Bowl contender, right? Yeah, I uh, maybe there's something about Cousins that I can't quite get my head around. I think that's probably a, a, a big part of it. And and for the longest time yesterday, they had trouble getting Dalvin Cook going against that Bills defense too. And I think if if you're if you're going to have to win because of Cousins, that's going to be your undoing. If the running game goes, you know who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can beat Philadelphia. But I think that's what it would it would require for them. They'd have to play close to a perfect game for them to beat the Eagles, who go for their ninth win with no losses tonight. You think they're going to do it? Eagles will win tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll beat the Commanders. I don't think they're going to run the table, though. Uh, boy, it'd be nice to see those 72 Miami Dolphins sweating again. Uh, with the idea of somebody potentially going perfect for the year. But uh, the Eagles have both dates left with the Giants, and they have to play the Cowboys again. So I, I don't see them going unbeaten. And, Dan, before we finish up today, last question for you. What's the best moment you had as a part of the heavy fuel crew? Going way back for you. Oh, the best part of my show with Terry Boers. <laughs> Man, I think if, if there's one road trip that uh, that stands out above maybe all others I ever made with radio shows over the years is when we were in Seattle in the spring of 96 when the Bulls were going for their first in the second three-peat. They had Seattle in 96 and then Salt Lake City with the Jazz 97 and 98. I think the trip to Seattle – was about as much fun as I ever had doing radio. We were supposed to come home after the uh, fifth game in the series, but the Bulls lost that game, which was a surprise. So I called the program director at halftime, and I said, hey, wh why would we be coming home when there's another game here Friday night? We should be here for that game Friday night. You say we're not positive enough about the Bulls. How's this? We're not leaving until that trophy is safely tucked in Jerry Krause's suitcase and he liked the idea of it and uh, it, it further strengthened my friendship with Dan Patrick who's been a buddy and a mentor over the years and uh, just to have nothing but great memories of being on the road with the Bulls and it wasn't necessarily because of the basketball but it was because of the people I met and some of the experiences uh, I gained it was a lot of fun covering those Bulls with Terry Boers Terry Terry's a big basketball guy and we had a blast well, Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, always a pleasure to get your football tanks and uh, looking forward to staying in touch and having you on again soon. Best wishes with uh, Bet Rivers as well in the WJOB. Thank you, John. Always fun to be with you. Have a good week. Go Bears, right? Go Bears.
Great talk there with Dan McNeil. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglou. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. So long, everybody. No! No! Where are the turtles?